Hi, and welcome to the Emmy Awards. I'm your host, Emmy Cardinale. Um, this is my podcast where I talk about what I've been watching or re-watching. I try to post every Fridays. This episode might be a little bit later because things have been hectic for me um, with traveling home for the holidays. And I am still working, but I'm working Pacific Pacific time hours on the east coast and I work weird hours so life's just been weird. I originally wanted this week to be I wanted to rewatch Dash and Lily and I wanted to also if I'm speaking kind of quietly um I'm filming this in my childhood bedroom and it's like 11 um eastern but it's only like 8 for me. So. But anyways, I because this is, you know, Christmas is like tomorrow when you're listening to this um or at least for me I celebrate Christmas the 24th but because Christmas is coming up I originally wanted to rewatch Dash and Lily and do a deep dive review like I did for the sex lives of college girls because that was the most fun I had for an episode and the proudest I was of an episode um because I came prepared with like notes and I felt like I was getting into the groove of this whole like transitioning into talking only about TV. So I wanted to do something like that. But this week has just been so crazy that I didn't have time. I didn't have time. I didn't have the energy. So I didn't end up doing that. This episode is going to be kind of all over the place. I'm just going to talk about my recent thoughts about what I've been watching. No real theme. Um, I am going to talk about a Christmas movie, but... Mostly I'm just gonna, whatever, this is completely off the cuff. I don't have any notes and it will probably be short because I'm self-conscious about how loud I'm being. So, sorry, that was a really long-winded thing. If you don't know me, my name's Emmy and I talk about TV, but I feel like I already established that. So the Christmas movie I'm gonna be talking about, I watched it today, like a couple hours ago. Um, it's the Lindsay Lohan Netflix movie Falling for Christmas. I loved it. I have nothing bad to say about it. Um, but before I get to that, I'm going to talk about some other stuff. Something that I've been thinking about a lot recently, like TV-wise, is the Gossip Girl reboot. And I, because, you know, I I just did The Sex Lives of College Girls and and I, I was really into The White Lotus season too. I've been thinking a lot about like HBO shows HBO Max like originals and considering doing like a deep dive of Gossip Girl the revival but I feel like I I don't know what to say about it it's the same reason or maybe not the same exact reason but part of me was like maybe I should do a deep dive review of the White Lotus and then I was like, I shouldn't do that because I have nothing intelligent to say about the White Lotus. Not that I particularly had anything intelligent to say about the sex lives of college girls, but it's like I was just in college. So I feel like it's a lot more relatable to me and I have like things that I can pull from where I can be like, oh, this is relatable or this doesn't make sense to me. You know, it feels more like I have actual commentary on it. Um, where the White Lotus... I feel like there's nothing that I could say that not a million people haven't already said. Um, like, I just, I just, I really, I don't know what to say about The White Lotus. I, I, I loved season two. I recommend it to anybody who asks which shows to watch, but I don't think I have enough of an intelligent review to really 
dive deep into it, which is the only reason I haven't. It's just, it's one of those shows where there's like a lot of imagery and there's like a lot of like tiny little, it's a very intricate show. And um, not that the sex lives of college girls isn't, but I feel like, I don't know, it's just more the kind of show that I feel like I could dive deep into. And Gossip Girl, I don't feel the same way in the sense that I, I, I think I wouldn't have intelligent commentary. I just come away from the episodes and I'm like, I don't, I have, I have no thoughts. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's like, part of me wants to rewatch the first season because I feel like I started season two and I was like, I remember stuff that happened season one, but I don't remember how like season one ended. And I don't know, I was kind of confused. I'm going to share some of my thoughts, just stuff that's been in my brain because I did watch the episode that came out today, Thursday, and I do have some commentary on the show. I didn't watch Lost Girl when it was airing. I watched it later and I wonder if this like rendition of Gossip Girl is gonna have that same nostalgia for people or be the same kind of funny thing to look back on. I just don't feel like it is. I feel like, I don't know, sometimes it feels like there's like magic that they put into certain like people put into songs or books or like like there's just something intangible about what makes it so interesting um and funny and like I just don't know if the reboot has that I feel like and this isn't to diss any of the actors because like I'm not a professional actor but I am somebody who really likes television and I feel like I pick up on stuff like a lot of people do there are just so many of the actors that it feels so forced when I'm watching it and I'm like I just don't believe that I'm watching real people and I, I, I get so distracted by the acting that I lose I don't know if that makes any sense but it's like some of the actors are just like I don't know the girl who plays Julian like no hate to her I'm sure she's lovely but I just I feel like I can never tell what Julian is supposed to be feeling I don't know I feel myself getting lost in like <laughs> critiquing their performances more than I feel like immersed in the plot of the show and I find that annoying. Um, I do like that they're making Monet have a bigger, you know, like more important role in this season because I really like Monet. Um, as a character, like would I be friends with her? Probably not. Um, she'd never be friends with me. I really liked the storyline where she was trying to find like somebody, like she was trying to have like somebody to be a power couple with her. And then she finds out that the girl is like, see, like <laughs> secretly straight. And she's just been pretending to be gay because it like made her more noticeable. And Monet kind of like, that's a step too far for her, even though she like, you know, does a lot of fucked up things. <laughs> And I liked that. I think it's interesting when characters are like evil and mean for them to still have vulnerabilities and weaknesses and like moments where, and she's an actress on the show that I do genuinely like feel myself like, like I'm watching a real person when I'm watching it and not like I'm watching somebody trying to act. Um, and I, and I really like that character. The, I don't know if this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but the Aki, Audrey, Max storyline, I kind of hate it. Like, I don't know. I think it's, it's interesting on some level that they're like showing a thruple, but it's just like, I don't know how I feel. I don't know how I feel about them. I feel like I would like to see more of like Audrey 
and Aki's dynamic or Audrey and Max's dynamic. I, I don't love that we're that they're always it's just the three of them always together because I feel like and I think they addressed it a little bit in the latest episode, episode five, but it feels like the only time we see them it's like in a sexual context. And I think that they touched on that a little bit when Audrey's like, we need to talk and like figure, like check in with each other. And I'm like, okay, I like that. Like we're gonna see them. I don't know, hopefully that happens. But the thing that really pisses me off the most about Gossip Girl season or the, the reboot is we know who Gossip Girl is from the beginning, which I don't know if I like that or hate that. I'm, I've come to be indifferent towards it. I liked the mystery of who is Gossip Girl, but I also watched it when the whole show had come out. So I found out who, I found out who Gossip Girl was like when I was watching it, I think. Like, I don't think that there was a reveal. So maybe I'm not the right person to ask, but I do not like that it's the teachers. Like, I just don't, not a fan. Um, there's too much storyline of the teachers. I don't know, I just don't like it when TV, it's like you're watching a high school thing and then you have to like know about the adults or I don't know. <laughs> I just started a show on Netflix and I've only watched like three episodes of it, but it's called Alexa and Katie. And I don't like it when suddenly we're seeing storylines about like the little brother. Like I don't care about the little brother. Um, the show is called Alexa and Katie, I don't know. And when you have such a big ensemble cast of like the teenagers, it's like there are plenty of storylines that you can like explore. And like, obviously the teacher should be there if there's like some kind of, but I just hate, I don't know. And it feels like the Gossip Girl storyline is like only ever talked about in regards to the teacher. Like the, they talk about Gossip Girl sometimes, but it's not like, it doesn't feel like the same overlooming scary presence that it was, or like big deal that it was in the original. And the only, like, I feel like most of the Gossip Girl storylines are the teachers trying to not be caught because they're Gossip Girl. Like to me, that is not interesting. I feel like Gossip Girl was so like intrusive and like evil and like, <laughs> I don't know, it was scary. Like it scared people now. Like I just, I don't know if I like the relationship people have to Gossip Girl and the way Gossip Girl is in the show. And I feel like maybe part of that has to do with Gossip Girl, like us already knowing who she is, but I just find it annoying. I don't know. I don't remember where we left Zoya off in season one because I feel so confused with her whole storyline. And I completely forgot Obi was dating some girl. Like, I don't know, season two picked up and I was like, I don't even remember what was happening. I need to rewatch season one because I genuinely am so confused all the time. Like some storylines, I, I wasn't confused, but other storylines, I was like, I don't remember what happened to in the first season. Monet wasn't even in the last episode and there was like a lot of it that was dedicated to the teachers. It's like, bring Monet back. Why, why are we focusing on Kate? Like I don't care about Kate and like that guy she's dating or whatever. Although I do think that was the most interesting storyline surrounding Gossip Girl um, and the teachers because now Jordan, the computer science teacher, like his identity has been like revealed to this person who was blackmailing the teacher who's dating Kate, whose name I don't remember. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's Georgina Sparks. I don't know if that's confirmed, but like we see her, like she showed up in one of the promos and she said something about Gossip Girl. Hopefully she'll make Gossip Girl iconic and scary again because 
right now it's it's just not hitting. But yeah, those are my thoughts on Gossip Girl season two. You know what show uh, the promo came out today and I'm actually really excited about that 90s show. I haven't watched that 70s show all the way through. I don't think, um, like I used to watch like reruns of it or something, but I never like sat down and properly watched all of it on Netflix. But I'm excited for that 90s show. Maybe I should watch that 70s show before that 90s show comes out, but um, I'm excited. I like that kind of reboot where it's like following a new cast of people, but the old characters still pop in. I like that. Hopefully they do it well. And I like that the grandparents are still there. I don't know. I'm kind of excited about that. Okay. It takes place in Wisconsin. I love things about the Midwest. I'm excited to see. I hope they do it well. Jenny and Georgia season two. Um, premieres January 5th. I don't know if they're dropping everything at once or it's going to be weekly, but I will be doing a deep dive review of that since I talked about season one. Um, so I'm, ex I'm excited about that too. And I don't know if Alexa and Katie, if I feel like I have in interesting things to say, maybe I'll talk about that next. I don't know. I start a lot of shows and then I don't like keep watching them or finish them or anything. Um, the show that I recently started on Netflix. Um, it's called The Recruit. It has Noah Centineo in it. I don't know how I feel about it yet. He's like a recruit for the FBI and honestly, or the CIA. I don't even remember. I watched like two episodes and then I gave up on it. It was kind of giving like the flight attendant on HBO vibes, but the flight attendant does it better. Like I just, if, you're interested in that kind of show, I would recommend The Flight Attendant. Season two has more of that, like she's like an informant for the CIA. So I find that a bit more interesting because basically Noah Centineo is like a new recruit to the FBI or the CIA, I again, I don't remember. And he is put in charge of like looking through threatening emails they get um, and determining if any of them, because a lot of people email them like, threats um of like releasing information but most of them aren't credible and he finds a credible one and he tracks down the person and then he's like working for her um and like or something and it's just like i don't know the cia the the flight attendant is a little bit more interesting there's more intrigue the character's more interesting it's it's done better again i've only watched two episodes of the recruit so like no hate to Noah Centineo. I think it's really cool that, I don't know if he had an acting career before The Fosters, but I saw him for the first time when he replaced Jake T. Austin as Jesus in The Fosters. And then he was onto all the boys I loved before. And then he became this like heartthrob. And now he's like, you know, a, a special agent or whatever. Like he has range, good for Noah Centineo. <laughs> the main reason that this episode's gonna be super short and I'm genuinely so sorry, but I'm like self-conscious about how loud I'm talking and I'm like really anxious right now and I don't have notes. And when I don't have notes, I just kind of like freeze and don't have a ton to say. The main point of this episode is my review of Falling for Christmas, the Netflix movie. Um, I loved it. It was, it was like so cute. So basically the premise, um, it stars Lindsay Lohan in Cord Overstreet who was on Glee loved him on that and basically it's this like heiress to like like a hotel thing it's giving very much paris hilton vibes she and her fiance or her boyfriend are like 
her dad has just given her a job within like the hotel as like the vice president of atmosphere so she's there staying at his hotel and um her boyfriend's there anyway so she's at she's at her dad's hotel or she lives there and now she's starting a job um anyways her and her boyfriend go to ski to take photos and um he proposes to her and then she falls off the side of the mountain <laughs> Um, he falls too. She hits her head and wakes up in a hospital room with amnesia. She has no idea where she is. And Cord Overstreet's character, Jack, or Jake, finds her because he runs a smaller, like, lodge in the same area. Um, and he's, like, taking this couple on a sleigh ride. And he sees her body there. So he, like, takes her to the hospital and she doesn't remember who she is, and she doesn't have any identifi- I'd like, I'd, I'd, identificating, <laughs> um, like, you know, she doesn't have her ID, nothing like that. So they're like, well, we don't know where you can go. And he's like, she can stay in my lodge. So she goes there, she doesn't remember her name, she befriends him. Um, and his daughter, um, he, he, he's a, a widower. His wife passed away two years ago from when the movie takes place. And there's a really cute scene which felt very Hallmark movie-esque where the little girl makes a wish and then there's like an old man with a beard who like like blinks and it's like her wish is going to come true. And I think he's supposed to be Santa. I've seen that many times in, in Christmas movies. There's always like some figure that is supposed to be Santa who's just there in that town and like makes that little girl's wish come true. But um, yeah, she doesn't remember who she is. And her fiance, don't remember his name because I found him so insufferable. He falls down like another part of the mountain and he runs into this guy with a, like this, he meets a man who has a fisherman's cabin and they like become friends and the man's truck breaks down. So they like, hike for a little while and then the police take him in because he was poaching or something i don't even know it was never established that this man was like allegedly a criminal when tad tad that's his name tad <laughs> Lindsay lohan Lindsay lohan's character's fiance like meets maybe they did and i and i missed it because i found tad so annoying that i didn't want to pay attention um and Lindsay lohan's character her name is sierra her dad they have like a dinner the day before everything, before the accident. And um, he's like, I'll see you on Christmas Eve. So he's leaving. And that's when Tad and her go out to the mountain and fall and everything happens. So for like four days, I think they tell us when the dad gets back and is like, where is my daughter? She like has character growth, you know? She like learns how to cook. She cleans. She like becomes less of an out-of-touch rich person. Um, she she really cares about Jake or Jack. I don't remember his name. Obviously, there's tension. There's a really cute scene where there's mistletoe and, like, they're about to kiss. And then he's like, you don't even remember who you are. Like, you could be with somebody very respectful of him, like a legend. There's another really sweet moment where um, they, she finds, like, this Christmas topper thing 
and she's like this is beautiful and he like gets really flustered or whatever and she's like I'm sorry um this is just so beautiful and he's like this was something me and Carla his wife who passed away bought and um I can't bring myself to put it on the tree but I also don't want to give it away it was and then um later in the movie she's about to leave like the hotel like the lodge like she has like I don't know she has a turning point where she's like I need to leave and um he brings it out and he's like I can't do this with you and then she stays longer and eventually she leaves when they they find her like um Tad gets back well the dad gets back to the hotel and he's like where's my daughter and they're like oh we thought that they, that they went on like a little trip because we saw a note or whatever and um he's like she didn't bring any of her luggage she's definitely not gone. like something's wrong and so he's freaking out and then Tad gets back to the hotel and he's like where's my daughter and he's like I thought she'd be here and he explains what happens and the sheriff is like I think I know where she is and they they walk in when a big like the main conflict of the movie besides her not having her memory is that the lodge it's called the North Star Lodge that Court Overstreet's character owns is like not doing well and he actually they have like a bit of a meet cute at the hotel the morning before um everything happens where he like bumps into her and like spills coffee on her but he doesn't remember that he met her and obviously she doesn't have a memory but he was at the hotel that's where we meet him he was at the hotel because he was trying to make a deal with her father because he's a big hotel guy and, and he needs money for his lodge and it wasn't going well so um and the whole time I was thinking I was like this could be a very sinister movie if he recognized her and was like I'm gonna take her in because she doesn't have she doesn't remember anything and I could you know manipulate her into wanting to give me money for my lodge obviously that's not it because it's a very light-hearted movie but the last movie I watched where somebody has amnesia it was not it was nothing of the sort um so um I don't remember the name but it's some Brenda Song movie where she has amnesia she wakes up and this guy is claiming to be her husband but he's not her husband like it's this whole thing it's crazy i'd recommend it though but i was like what if he does know her obviously he doesn't but um she at the big culminating moment where they find out who she is is at this big christmas party fundraiser that she had the idea for and then he was like i don't think it's a good idea and that is why she decided she was gonna leave because she felt like she was overstepping and then he has his moment she stays and they they have the fundraiser every like a ton of people donate they're like he's such a good guy we're giving him money for his lodge and then the town even like makes it a historic landmark so like that's work like that's gonna help get grants and money and he goes to like be like he makes a little speech where he's like i want to thank one person in particular and he brings her up and they've been calling her sarah because they don't know her name and his daughter helped come up with the name and then her dad and tad walk in and they're like sierra and she's like do i know you 
And he's like, dad, your fiance. And she's like, my fiance. And then the dad's like me. And she's like, dad. So then she like, she gets kind of taken away. And um, I loved when the next day, like she sleeps at the hotel and she wakes up and she's like making the bed, which she wasn't doing at the beginning of the movie. She invites the people in, like she's super friendly. She's like, oh, I'm just helping make the bed. Um, they like show her a bunch of fancy clothes and she's like, I'm going to wear something simple. And they bring her caviar for breakfast, which she ate at the beginning of the movie. And she's like, no, I'm in the mood for something else. And, um, the hotel staff's like, she's acting different to dad. And he's like concerned and she's making breakfast, like very fancy pancakes with like fancy sauce and she's wearing jeans and Tad's like, what's wrong? And then there's a press conference because she was missing and she's an heiress. So he, Tad is like, we're engaged. And she's like, obviously hesitant about it. And she gives the lodge a shout out. Yeah, and, 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 and thanks Jake, Jack, I can't remember his name. Um, and then later, Court Over Street's character's mother-in-law, she's a big part of the movie she uh the basically the lodge that he runs it was in his wife's family it was his wife's family business they got it for christmas one year um or maybe as a wedding gift i think as a wedding gift and when she passed away he like couldn't you know he didn't want to give it up but they were really struggling and so um his mother-in-law is there throughout the whole movie and like helps with his daughter and he is like we got all, we, like, people were really generous, and he's like, that's not, or maybe she says it's not going to do much if we don't have, like, guests, but one of them says it, and then after the press conference, like, they get a bunch of calls, they're booked for the rest of the season, um, so that press really helped. Sierra breaks things off with Tad, um, it's like, you're breaking up with me, and she's like, you'll be fine by New Year's. And this hotel attendee comes up and is like, I'm so sorry about that. And then he hits on him and I'm like, ooh, sexy. We love, we love that for Tad, even though I found him annoying. Lindsay Lohan's character, Sierra, um, like tells her dad she's going to step away from the atmosphere executive, the vice president of atmosphere, whatever her job was, because she wants to forge her own path and doesn't want to just take a job that her dad um created so she could you know have some kind of position she wants to like do her own thing and he is like super proud of her and meanwhile court overstreet's character is trying to race to the hotel before she leaves on her flight um and he sees tad getting into a car so he assumes sierra's in the car too even though she and Tad have broken up, but he doesn't know that. So he confesses his love outside of the car window. Um, and he said that he was like falling in love. And I was like, wow, very bachelor of you. People, I feel like people don't say that much, that, that often, except in movies and like the bachelor who says I'm falling in love with you. Like that's not that common. 
Maybe it is. If I am in a relationship and we've been dating for a little while and they, they don't say I'm falling in love with you, but they hit me with a I love you at some point, I'm going to be like, but you never said you were falling. How was I supposed to know about the natural progression of this relationship if you didn't establish when you were falling for me? Like, when did you just like me? That when were you falling for me? When were you falling in love? And when were you in love with me? Those are important milestones. <laughs> um... And then Tad rolls down the window and he's like, I'm flattered, but like, no thanks. And so he runs in, Court Over Street's character runs in, confesses his feelings. Him, they kiss, but I swear to God, they when they cut to like the kiss, like that was not Lindsay Lohan. They did some flair thing and they didn't show up for very long. Um, but I'm just like so sure that Lindsay Lohan and him didn't actually kiss. Like, I think it was like a body double. Like, I don't think... That was, I don't know, like what was with the lens flare and the weird angle and it just, it didn't look like her when it was somewhat closer. Like, I just, I don't think they guessed. Um, that's how the movie ends. I really liked it. This was not that good of a review. It's one of those movies where it's pretty predictable, um, but fun and enjoyable. And it's kind of like just the right kind of cheesy movie that's nice to watch for the holidays. Like I... I liked it. I'd recommend it. Um, it was silly. Lindsay Lohan killed it. It's nice to see her back in acting. Um, yeah, it was just a fun movie. I loved Court Overstreet in it. I, I don't have much intelligent commentary on it because it was it was just a feel-good Christmas movie. If you are looking for like a Christmas TV show, I would recommend Dash and Lily. I'm not going to do a review of it this year maybe I'll do one next year um but that one was great there was some show that was like it lasted one season and Ashley Tisdale was in it and um the dad from the parent trap was in it that was I'm pretty sure Christmassy I don't remember what it was called but I really liked that one Christmas movie that always like pisses like I don't know if it pisses me off but I don't love it is um Princess Switch like I don't know why aren't they just twins like I guess people can look alike but I would rather that they were like twins or something that were separated I find that more interesting it's like why does it have to be or just we look remarkably similar like hello Monte Carlo they had no relation she just looked a lot like well I, it was Selena Gomez playing both characters but she was she just looked like her that was a good movie maybe I should review that but um, I don't know, they're like, we are perhaps distant relatives. It's so annoying to me. It's so annoying. I don't know if I mentioned in this in the last episode, but I watched Harry and Meghan on Netflix. I really recommend that. I didn't know much about Harry and Meghan and the royal family. Like, I genuinely wasn't that informed. <laughs> I didn't know a ton of, like, why they left. Like, like I, most of what I knew was from the Oprah interview when it came to, like, her feeling silenced and, um, like, the ra the racism... But I, I didn't know much of like how they met and like the ins and outs of their relationship. And I found it really insightful. And I think I've like a lot of people are criticizing it. And it makes me like in ways that makes me feel like they haven't watched the whole thing because people are like so missing the point of it in so many different ways. I've seen people say like, why make a Netflix movie if like you're talking about privacy? Like they just... There is a difference between telling your own story and like putting your story out there when like your life has been talked about a lot or even if it hasn't as somebody who has written about very traumatic experiences 
it's different to talk about it yourself and control your own narrative than if somebody else is just invading your personal space and you're like it's different when you decide what you put out there so like that it's just a stupid comment everybody's already going to make up a million rumors about them like they're public figures they're not like somebody in obscurity who's like became became famous from like a reality tv show or something and then they're like i want pri-, like not even i still feel like those people deserve privacy and if they're like i don't want to be hounded by paparazzi they shouldn't be like that's not what i'm saying but it's just like they're like obviously they're going to be talked about a lot i'm pretty sure there have been like fictional movies made about them like obviously they have the right to and i've seen people be like i don't understand why they had to shit on the royal family they could have focused on the media and I, that was my biggest takeaway from the show was that the media was the problem and the tensions that came up a lot of the times with the institution and with the family members, it all went back to the media. It all went back to this person's team is trying to compete with this person's team because of the tabloids and get story out and like Megan and Harry were getting too much coverage and it's just like if they didn't have that relationship with the media that would have lightened things like that would have been a whole different story so basically um former bachelor Nick Vial <laughs> said I had to look it up because I, I didn't want to misquote him he said that he feels like that some of the criticisms on Megan and Harry are probably that they are taking the royal family, like the brand of the royal family, and they're making a ton of money off of it without really a role of servitude, which is a big thing that comes with like being a royal is servitude. And I feel like if you, like to me, that is such an idiotic take because they loved that part of the role. Like, that was never something, like, to me, that is such a, like, misconstruing of why they had to walk away. In fact, at first, they wanted to move to, I don't know what it's called, but some, like, territory or something. Like, they wanted to move somewhere, oh, somewhere still within the Commonwealth so they could, you know serve the queen and do the servitude part without the media frenzy like that that was never the issue the issue was like to me that is so misunderstanding like where they're coming from and he was making it about like money and like they wanted a ton of money and they're making a ton of money about like oh like <laughs> from this when they could have made their money other ways and just focused on philanthropy. And it's like, you're missing the point. People were going to be talking about them and telling their story. People have been telling their story for years. They just wanted their own perspective documented. How is that crazy? Like, to me, it's not about money. Did they make money off of it? Sure. Probably. I don't really think either of them need money, nor do I truly think that was the purpose of this. And we live in a capitalist society and a lot of things at the end of the day, a big reason that people do things is for money. But it's like, to me, that is the most like, I don't know, like unkind or like jud- most like judgmental bad faith reason that you can assume that somebody does a documentary like that like if your first thought is they're doing it for money i feel like that says more about you than 
than it does about them. Is money probably a factor? Yeah, okay, I'm sure it is. But it's like if you look at their story and you listen to their story and your takeaway is they probably did this for money. Like they could have done other things. I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. And I feel like you as a white person shouldn't look at this biracial woman who received like such hatred and like heinous like commentary around her life and be like it's all a cash grab and it's not just him I've seen people saying that like I've seen people saying that it's for money or like if they wanted their privacy why are they doing a Netflix documentary or like they shouldn't attack their family or the institution and I just I feel like they're missing the point and it's actually so interesting because Megan says in the documentary that after the Oprah interview she really thought people's biggest takeaway was going to be like her mental health and the fact that she had felt like suicidal um but the biggest takeaway was race and I think like it's just interesting when no matter how clear and kind and like people are just always going to take what you say or take your story and they're gonna make you the bad guy and they're gonna like shit on you. I didn't mean to make this episode about the Meghan and Harry documentary. I just had a lot to say about it. Um, apparently, I I don't understand what it's like to be a public figure. I don't understand what it's like to be a member of the royal family um, or to be an actress or like really, I, I don't understand what their lives have been like on a personal level. I've never experienced any of that. What I do understand is wanting to reclaim your narrative and to make a negative experience, like to tell your own story. That I understand so deeply in a way that I just, I will always defend. I think people have the right to reclaim their narrative, especially when they're public figures and they've been talked about for years. I, I just, I don't see anything wrong with making a documentary and telling your own story. I don't see any, like I genuinely, I don't see anything wrong with it. And I enjoyed it. I, I found myself, I didn't really know anything about Megan and Harry. Um, although I, I, I did have compassion for Megan because anybody who shares um, struggling with suicidal ideation, I like immediately that, that I feel compassion for that. Um, but... I grew to become a fan of them. I was like, you know, I, they're cute together. I like how much they love each other. And I think Megan is a very intelligent woman. Like I really, I came away being like, she's so smart. She's so like, I don't know, I, I love her. And Harry seems like a lovely lad. <laughs> I just, I also, I can't stand people who are like, why do you have to attack the institution? Why do you care? Maybe this is me, but it's like, it's an institution. It It's not going anywhere. It's the institution of the royal family. I think we should critique institutions to make sure that they don't get stuck in the past and harm people because when things become institutions a lot of the times the humanity gets lost when things i don't know if that makes any sense but it's just like when things become about the institution the individual impact on the human people i feel it can get lost i'm fine with critiquing institutions institutions need to be critiqued and and challenged because if they don't hold up then maybe they were harming people maybe like i i i'm i'm all for critiquing the institution of the royal family um i think it's healthy and i think it's important and 
They're not shitting on their family by telling their own story. Sorry. Like, they're not. And it's, like, people critiquing why she doesn't... She's talking about her dad, and she's estranged from her dad. It's, like, it was a public estrangement because he went to the media. Obviously, she needed to comment on it. Anyways, this was meant to be a Christmas episode, not a Harry and Meghan episode. But you know what? It's all over the place. So this is, again, probably going to be a short episode. Next week will be a lot longer. Um, then this episode, I don't know how long it's going to be, but I'm going to come prepared with notes. Um, it's going to be the last episode of 2022. So I'm going to do, uh, favorite things I've watched, like roundup of the year, things I recommend, things I don't, things I'm excited that are coming in 2023 and all that jazz. Um, if you liked this or you are interested in my thoughts on Ginny and Georgia season one, um, the Sex Lives of College Girls, which was my last episode and which I'm very proud of that last episode or just anything else, um, please make sure to follow me wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate and review. Share this podcast with anybody who you think might be interested. Follow me on any social media if that interests you. Um, I appreciate any feedback, critiques, comments, concerns, anything along that line. I welcome. Please message me. I was going to say email me, but you don't have my email. Just like if you have something you want to say, please feel free to reach out. If you have any movie suggestions, um, if you have any shows that you want my thoughts on, let me know. Maybe I will include them in my roundup of best and worst of 2022, but maybe I won't if I haven't seen them. Anyways, um, yeah, sorry for rambling about all kinds of shows. Um, I hope you have a happy holiday season and I was going to say a happy new year, but I'll, I'll talk to you before then. <laughs> Bye guys. Thanks so much. Love you.